Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the POD cast, your favorite podcast about new metal. This is episode number 42. This month we are reviewing the Deftones eponymous fourth studio album Deftones. And with me is a man whose song saved us. It's Brian Quinby. Hey, hey, how's it going? Deftones. Fuck Deftones, e- baby. We're back. Easy month. Easy month for us. We're we really back. Got I forgot to say, month. I'm John Cullen. I never, intro- I always just get, I'm so excited to do your intro. I never even say my own name. I'll just I'm start John. saying, he's John. That kind of thing. <laughs> you know? He's Brian and he's John. And yeah. he's John. I would try to that. be more announcerly, but I'm not succeeding at it. But I am like sort of trying to learn how to. Because I've never been the guy to bring the show in, you know. Hey, welcome to the show. Burr, burr, right. burr, but you know, now you gotta be. But now you gotta be the guy. I am the guy. Well, I. It's weird because I am the guy on all my series, but they all start with me saying, "Hey, it's me," <laughs> something <laughs> it's like that. Me, a Brian. <laughs> it's kind of that. It really. Welcome comes to another close. episode of a Street Fighter Radio. Yeah, uh, there near yeah. the end, it was just, "Hey, it's Brian Street Fight. Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> you, know? you were you were just introducing the show like you were picking up the phone. Yeah, basically. <laughs> hey, I Hello, like saying hey. hey. I'm hey, a hey it's guy. Brian. You're a hey guy. I'm big on hey. Hey, I even text like that. So H- horses love you, is what you're saying? Oh yeah, no, I text H E Y Y Y. That was the so stupidest joke I've ever done on this show. No, oh, I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I've, so, I've made a lot of dumbass jokes on this show, so it would be impossible to know if that was definitely the stupidest joke I've ever made, but it's um, in the running, I guess. I guess it's in the running, I'll say. Well, you're a professional, so uh, uh, sometimes, you know, you're working a corporate gig. And you got to yeah, fucking true. do a hay is for horses, grass is cheaper, next barn down situation. Remember true. that? That's, I used to get that so much when I was growing up. I don't know if they say that up in Canada. No, not that rest of the part. Yeah, we would get the like, long. hey, hay is for horses, but I didn't get the, we didn't do the, <laughs> what, what did you say? The next barn down <laughs> or some shit? Hay is for horses, grass is cheaper, next barn down was the whole thing. Oh my God. No, that's terrible. I never heard that. And even, and even hay is for horses <laughs> feels more like they, a joke they do in a sitcom, but that is not like actually a real joke that people do, but like they do it in a sitcom. Like it's this cliche, you know, like it'll be mm-hmm. like a home improvement or something. And the kid is in class and the teacher says to them, hey, is for horses. And they say it like it's this cliche thing that you're supposed to know. Uh, and I don't know. And I don't know it. Like, I, like I, I don't it, it, like no one. I don't think anyone's ever said it to me. The yeah. only one I would get, the one I got a lot growing up that is a real one that teachers will do is when you say, um, 
is when you say, can I go to the washroom? And then the teacher will be like, I don't know. Can you? Yeah, that's, you know, you get that. That's like a big one. They love to do. It's like, well, yes, yes, teacher. I can piss and shit. I know how to piss and shit. I know how to piss and shit. I did learn that when I was like, you know, six or whatever. (laughs) I, I think like the ones that I know the best are uh, my dad did this and other people that I know. First of all, there's I'm thirsty. And then you say, hey, I'm Friday. Come over Saturday and we'll have a Sunday. Now, these are things I don't say. Uh, That's I've never heard that one before. That that one's crazy. And then my dad, I would say, like, "Eh, it's not fair. And he'd be like, it's not even carnival, which almost doesn't make sense. That that genuinely (laughs) doesn't make sense because you don't say carnival like that. I know, but fair is you go yeah, to the fair. No, well, I know I get it. I right? you don't need to explain it to me, Brian. I understood the concept of fair and carnival being <laughs> not related words. It just didn't that. Oh, wow. That's really good. It's but, not even it, carnival. I might have to start using that one. People say that other people's parents say that shit, too. It wasn't just my dad. That was my dad's. Those two things were my dad's fucking fucking calling card he had like a few things he did you know the other thing he did that's really funny that you could never picture coming out of my head is uh uh he he liked to eat bagels okay and he would be like i'm gonna go have a bagely waggly and i'm like that's why i have all the problems i have that's That's why Waggly like, Waggly. Yeah, that's why. And then one time he said it, and my stepmom was like, Why do you do that? And like yelled at him for it. Now that is actually very funny. If I wrote a family sitcom, it would be in it. <laughs> they get in a fight because my dad's a dork. Says Baggly Waggly. That's really good. I like that. I, one, like, well, I've learned a couple things over my time of doing Block Party uh, that people have really given me some shit for. Um, but before I get to that, I will say I do have one, the one cliche I do actually like to do. And I think it's only that I like doing it to Becca. Cause I know that it pisses her off is if she says, uh, what time is it? Then I'll say time to get a watch. Yes. That's, that's a, a great, good one. I do like that one. I don't know why, but that one does give me some joy to say for some reason. Uh, but yeah, there was two things growing up, uh, and, and I got roasted for this on block party and I don't even, maybe you were even on the episode or you knew about this, but when I was a kid, my parents, like the word we used in our house for penis was duty, uh, (laughs) which like most people use for poo, but (laughs) I didn't know. I mean, obviously I didn't know that growing up, but that's like what we called it growing up uh was a duty and so then like stefan just thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever it heard in his entire life that uh we that we would do that and then the other one similar to baggily waggly is when your fingers you know when you've been in the bath too long and your fingers get wrinkly <laughs> yeah. my par- my parents would call those the wiggy woggies <laughs> i've never heard that in my life me neither oh my god I, no i've never heard anyone ever use that or say that but yeah we would call it the oh you got the wiggy woggies one of the funniest things that happened in all of gwen's life was when she was like four or five years old and i can't remember how old she was she was but she was super young but could retain information and 
talk and stuff like that. She was like in that age period where it's like, she's not quite like fluent in conversation, but she does know what words mean and, and shit like that. And like, uh, her mom, when she would change her diaper would call her private area, her peepers. And, uh, (laughs) just always said her peepers. And so it got me being like, Oh, you know, peepers you know what i mean and she would watch this thing called noggin it's like a kid's channel for like uh small babies like you know three four five six years old and there was a commercial with an owl on it and another guy and they're kind of talking to the person watching the tv and the fucking guy goes point your peepers at this and like she was like kind of humping towards it because she <laughs> didn't know it was eyes. She thought the owl on TV was her vagina. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's incredible. It's the funniest thing that happened when she was a kid. I think I think about it all the time. Cause it's such a fucking innocent. Yeah. So uh, it, yeah. To just like, point that at the tv because you think and i'm sure like i it's funny because i never had like with me with us calling it like duty like i never had a moment really where where i got like shit and my dick (laughs) mixed up but that would have been that would have been a similar a similar situation that i would not have enjoyed but i never really had that sort of reckoning with it uh weirdly and then honestly like I didn't even think of it as that weird. Like I, I just grew up and I sort of thought that, you know, I knew that other people never called it that, but I never, but I assumed people did. Like, I didn't know anybody personally that did, but I assumed like, Oh, my parents must've gotten it from somewhere. And then after I brought it up on block party and all the listeners were like, you're insane. What the fuck are you talking about? I asked my dad about it and he was just like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, that's just like what my parents called it. And I, he's like, so we just kept calling. He's like, I have no clue where they got it from or why. And I was like, but weren't you aware that like duty was, was like what most people would call poop. And he was just like, yeah, he's like, I think we just never really thought about it. We just, that's just didn't matter. Called it. And it's, yeah, it didn't matter. It was just like, I mean, context clues. <laughs> it is that really weird thing that like I learned by having a kid is that like, whatever the lore of your family is is not like an intentional it might be more that way now you know gwen was born in 2004 so you know wasn't like like instagram and shit like that so like maybe maybe now that people are sort of sharing that stuff more like mommy bloggers and shit like that right right, yeah things become more common but like when the kids growing up in the fucking house they just think everything's normal. It's exactly the same way that like I for a very long time was like, I'm the most normal one out of my family and friends. Like I am, they're all fucking <laughs> weird. Right. And I'm fucking the most normal one. But then you find out as you get older, you're like, well, I'm definitely not normal. I mean, I don't think <laughs> like, I know I'm not. <laughs> I've learned I think I I think I knew I wasn't. I think I but but I don't think it was my family necessarily. I just think 
I was just like, yeah, I don't. It, it, I think what it was for me was my family was pretty funny. Like, I think that that's yeah. sort of how I ended up being a comedian too, where it was like, like I joked around with my family a lot and there oh, was just did. like a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there was just like a lot of stuff in our house just like wasn't very serious. And I, and I think like I, I shouldn't like my parents aren't necessarily goofy people either. Like my dad can be deadly serious. He's a, you know, he he's an angry, an angry man at times. So like it wasn't necessarily like everything was just one big joke, but like, yeah, when we were having family dinner together or whatever, like there was lots of room for joking around and it was weird to go to friends houses and you could just tell that they never joked with their parents. Like there was just no joking. It was like, this house is serious all the time. And that always (laughs) like kind of threw me off a bit because I would want to be silly with people's parents. And it was almost like, and I was, you know, we grew up in the, well, I grew up in the, you know, late eighties, early nineties. Like, you know, it's where it was still, you know, you called your, your friend's parents, Mr. And Mrs. and stuff like that. And there was a little bit more decorum, but I would still want to be like silly and funny with them. And I could tell that there were some of my friend's parents who (laughs) felt like I was being, like I was being disrespectful. Like I was being rude, like I was being rude to them. And it wasn't, I wasn't trying to be rude. It was just literally, that's how I act with my parents. So why wouldn't I, you know, why wouldn't I have fun with, with your family? I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I've said my age like three times this episode at my age, <laughs> the the worst day of the year for me every year is my birthday because my dad calls me and then <laughs> we have to sit on the phone with each other, dude. And it's like, we don't, I don't call him on his birthday. And do you know why I don't call my dad on his birthday? Because we don't want to talk to each other. <laughs> Right. I don't know why he feels the need to call me on my birthday. We just don't, we don't have anything in common. We're not like the same guy. But when you said family dinner, it was really funny for me to think about because when I was growing up, dinner was at 6 p.m. every day. Same with and, us. And uh, we had to be there for it. But we yeah. all hated each other. So it was like none of us wanted to fucking be there. And we were constantly like, do we really have to fucking come home for dinner? I don't want to. Even when I was 16, they made me come home. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking McDonald's, man. I don't want to be here. And like, uh, so hearing that people even did, even did family dinner once a week in a normal way where everybody wasn't just like trying to shove all the food in their face and run out the front door because they're (laughs) high or something. It's like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Family dinners. I mean, when, when me and Katie first started dating and this isn't the case anymore, but when we first started fucking dating, she went to her parents every Sunday to hang out with the family. And now they're just so profoundly unlikable that uh, we're never going to do that. But like, yeah, and I couldn't believe it. I was like, why do you go over there? What, what is possibly to be gained by going and hanging around with your parents? It's miserable. They're and her parents were fun at the time. Just my parents are miserable. Right. So, yeah, when my dad called, I fucking was like, he was joking around with me or something on my birthday this year. He's kind of joking around. I'm like, hey, dad, uh, I'm watching wrestling. (laughs) 
gotta go. It was like a three minute call because I was like, I'm busy with wrestling right now. I like the idea of turning 43 and your dad calls you on your 43rd birthday and you're like, Dad, I can't talk right now. I gotta watch my wrestling. <laughs> leave me alone. Leave me alone. He's probably he probably got off the phone being like, What the fuck? What is I told you about when me and Katie first started dating. Uh I mean, she's a party animal. You know, she gets drunk and loud and she's a shit kicker. Very cool. But she's great. <laughs> and so when when we first started dating, I was just like, you're not allowed over here on Mondays because Raw's on. So don't ever come here on Monday. <laughs> I'm watching my stories. I don't want to deal with your drunk ass while I'm trying to watch. Uh, it, whether or not X-Pac and Kane are going to stay together for another week. <laughs> well, how will I know what's happening with Stone Cold Steve Austin yeah. if you're over here fucking chatting and talking? Uh, <laughs> no, actually, that was before we were dating because we ended up, the first time we hooked up, it was because I fucking yelled at her for coming over during wrestling. And then I felt bad and I was just like, let's go watch a movie. And we just went and watched a movie. But like, yeah, I was so mad. They came over during wrestling. She pulled up in her 76 Nova and ran into the tree out in front of the apartment. <laughs> and like, it was just, I was just like, you can't come here like this when Stone Cold's on the TV. You know, don't do that. Leave so, me alone. I yeah, do but- like the idea that <laughs> that that was how you, uh, like, it's obvious she liked you. That's why she kept coming over. If If it ended up with you two hooking up at some point, but that's like cute that. That she was just like, oh, I'm going to go over to Brian's house. And then you were like, fuck, I w- this is, you have no idea what's going on with Mr. McMahon this week. The corporate <laughs> ministry, who is the driver of the car that ran over Stone Cold? Like, that all of that is just very funny to me. Screaming um, for two hours. It's like, two fucking hours. That's all I need is two fucking hours. And I'm still like that to this day. Two fucking hours a week. That's all I want. I know. Two you won't hours. let us record during Dynamite. No, I don't let anybody record during die. You know, it would have to be fucking like I just almost said the most dated name in the world. Uh, so I'll just do it anyway. It would have to be like the Regis Philbin show <laughs> for me to fucking work during Dynamite. <laughs> the just Regis a sort Philbin of show. I assumed God. you were going to say a guest on our show, but you're like, no. If the Regis Philbin show <laughs> called me to do an episode at 8 p.m. on a Wednesday. I would ha- I would simply have to do it, John. I would have no choice. He's just the level of famous. Right, right. And I thought so- you were going to be like, if Jonathan Davis agreed to be on our show, then I would miss Dynamite. That's where I thought you were going with Mm-mm. it. Instead, I would be you like- said the Regis Philbin show. I'd be like, John, he's West Coast. So we can we can go at a regular we'll after delay. Dynamite. We'll, yeah. yeah, we'll delay until after Dynamite. That's but I, insanely funny. I would go on Jimmy Fallon during dynamite i was trying to come up with jimmy fallon yeah just somebody that's so famous some insanely famous guest spot not on my show because i'll be like we'll just record it next week i'm not worried about it but like uh if if they were like brian come on the tonight show i'd be like all right Yeah, yeah, I'll sure. Like I'll miss I'll miss Dynamite. That's fine. But or you'll or you'll get to, to the NBC studios and you'll be like, Do I have cable in my room? Can I watch Dynamite <laughs> before I before my segment? It's gonna have to be what I would call an act of fame. 
It would have to be Act a fame, okay. very famous person that is right. like, like if if Tom Cruise wanted me to be in the new Mission Impossible, I'd miss Dynamite. Although You'd miss Dynamite, I would ask him if there's any way we could not do it during Dynamite. Right, but I right. would end up doing it if he demanded it. I mean, if you're in a Tom Cruise movie, you may not miss Dynamite. If you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that's so, the best joke I've ever done on the show. So we might I'll, as well I'll move on. We might as well move on to the album that we are covering. That's a perfect oh, way to put a button 20 on all of minutes, it. Twenty minutes. The the Reddit the Reddit people are fuming right now. No, that's twenty minutes for us is good. Like a twenty no. minute preamble, that's tight. Sometimes we're like in the thirty <coughs> to thirty five minute range. That's when I think the people get real mad. Uh, but we are covering the Deftones, which. As I said last month when I put this on the poll, I was shocked when I was looking at our previous episodes that it has been two years since we've covered, almost two years since we've covered the Deftones, so I'm excited to be back. Uh, We are indeed covering the fourth studio album from the Deftones. It is self-titled. It came out on May 20th, 2003. It was recorded over a <laughs> seven-month span in 2002, from March to October. We're going to learn a little bit about that later. It was recorded in Seattle, Hollywood, and Sacramento. Uh, it was, uh, sorry, and it came out on Maverick Records. It was the last record produced by, the last Deftones record produced by Terry Date until Ohms, which came out uh, not that long ago. That's their most recent album. Uh, this album did very well. It debuted at number two on the U.S. Billboard 200, which is crazy to think about when you when you think about the Billboard charts uh, and and where they're at now and and how hard it is for rock bands to chart. Uh, the fact that it debuted at number two, unbelievable. It debuted at number one in Canada, number four in Australia, number two in New Zealand. Number seven in the UK, and it it debuted on a bunch of charts uh, across Europe. Uh, Minerva, the first single, peaked at number nine on the US alternative charts and number 16 on the US mainstream charts. The album itself ended the year 2003 at number 174 on the US Billboard 200. It is certified gold. It has not gone platinum yet, uh, but it is also gold in Canada and silver in the UK. Uh, It spawned two singles, as I said, Minerva and Hexagram. Hexagram did not perform nearly as well, didn't didn't, uh, peak on any U.S. charts, but it made it to number 11 on the U.K. rock and metal chart and number 68 on the U.K. singles chart. Uh, One of, I would say, Deftones' best-known albums. It features their original lineup. This is before uh, Chi Chang's accident. And uh, Brian, let's let's get into it here. 2003 Deftones, where are you at? Are you still all the way in on Deftones? Are you starting to get out on Deftones? How did this self-titled Deftones record hit you in your life in May of 2003? Oh, this was it for me. This was the last one. And then it was kind of like, eh, you know, I don't need to hear this shit anymore, uh, which is bullshit. Because then I listened to the <laughs> other albums. I'm like, God damn, this shit's good. But this was my favorite band at the time. It's really funny. Uh, my living room was sort of, 
I wish I had pictures of it, man. And like, I just don't have, I might have like one picture of it, but if I had to say what my house was decorated with, like, it was like framed Deftones posters fucking everywhere. And like merch. And I had a Deftones, uh, white pony tech deck that, uh, hung up <laughs> in my, not a tech deck, the bike one, you know, the bike one hand bike. Oh yeah. 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 So I have one of those hanging on my wall. I don't even know what they called those. Just like tech bikes, maybe? I don't remember. Probably some (laughs) shit. (laughs) But I had had the single, the CD single for Hexagram framed in my living room next to a pair of White Pony brand rolling papers. So, (laughs) like, I just... And it was signed by chino i think the hexagram thing is i had like most of their autographs and shit too and and my most famous story from being a teenager is how uninteresting i was (laughs) but my most famous story was like yeah like that i would tell people is yeah uh steph stephen carpenter from the deftones he he fucking bummed a cigarette off me and it was just like that's the whole story (laughs) <laughs> too you didn't it's talk like, to him you had no moment with him he was just like hey can i have a cigarette and you're like sure yeah well i was like can you sign this cd or this ticket stuff and he was like can i have a cigarette and i was like yeah man you know i would never keep <laughs> cigarettes away from you steven carpenter um i but, love yeah. the idea that that's the trade that he wanted he wanted a <laughs> cigarette for uh well, for his autograph if you're out walking around the the Ozfest, because this was at Ozfest, if you're out okay. walking around Ozfest, you pr- probably if you forget your cigarettes, it's like fuck, I'm never getting back there. You know what I mean? <laughs> true. Yeah, true. You're in the middle of some parking lot or some shit somewhere. You're like fuck, I, got, I might have to go get get cigarettes off these children. There's fucking fans everywhere. There's just fucking fans like all over the place. I think I was 18 at the time and you're allowed to smoke at 18 in my day. You're allowed to, you didn't have to be 21. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, we established last month, last month, you really only had to be 14 where I came from. As long Uh, as you had a, as long as you had a note, (laughs) but what a boring story that is to tell people. (laughs) You know, yeah. the other boring story I have is I got Chino's autograph and I would <laughs> brag about it. And it was like, that was even less intimate than with Carpenter because he was standing on stacks and uh, uh, like Marshall stacks or whatever. Right. And signing stuff as people like he would just grab stuff out of people's hands and sign it and hand it back. And uh, the police came and maced everybody. So I was like, I was getting Chino's autograph. I got maced by the police. It's like, (laughs) just because we wouldn't move out of the alley. Like, I like that. I'm not defending the police, but I was acting like I was Mr. Criminal. Oh, look at me. Look at the big criminal. I I got maced. I got maced because I just wanted to. See this rock band that I wanted to harass a rock band. I'm fucking badass, dude. <laughs> I'm fucking I'm fucking crazy, dude. But um, there is something in the articles that is mentioned in the articles about the gorilla shows. And uh I went to one of those. I was I was at one of the gorilla shows, which was kind of okay. cool. What what was that? So basically they did this tour where they would announce where they're going to be two days before they were going to be there. And you bought tickets the day before. That's so uh, they announced that they were going to be in Cleveland. 
me and my brother and sister-in-law now sister-in-law drove up to cleveland bought the tickets went home and then drove back up the next day to see the concert how far and, is uh, it it's uh two and a half hours but you drove two and a half hours just to get tickets like because yes. you couldn't you couldn't get them through the phone or, like you had to go to a record store or something yeah I, I, this, was it a record store or Ticketmaster? it was something oh i think it was the venue you had to oh, go okay. to the venue yeah to and actually then, go to the venue yeah That's and there, it was like this is gonna sell out i it was like a 300 capacity venue when gotcha. this album was coming out so it was like you gotta fucking be there or you're not going to this show and uh we ended up getting to go and it was it was incredible because it was such a small place right and uh that's the that's one of the first times i ever did anything like that that i think was even it was after woodstock but like woodstock was like an anomaly uh like because if this happened now i would just go i would i would do it too i it, well oh maybe. yeah sure you sure. know if if the opportunity arose to see deftones in like a, a small venue i would fucking yeah, I'll drive for free. The tickets were free too. They didn't cost anything. You just had to fucking be there. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, you that's just had sick. to be there to get them. Okay, well, that's worth it then, I would say. It's funny, like you and I both have unique Deftones concert experiences. I know I've talked about this a lot on the show, but I the Deftones played like four nights in a row here in Vancouver. I think they really love it here for some reason. And I just got tickets to a random one of those four nights. And they decided that night that they were going to play adrenaline and around the fur cover to cover uh, and wow. didn't tell anybody. And they just did it. Um, and that was incredible. That would have been, I think that would have been on the Saturday night wrist tour. I want to say, I don't think it was this album. Uh, yeah. It probably would have been Saturday night wrist, but yeah, that was incredible. So it's funny that you and I both have those sort of unique uh, Deftones experiences. I remember, speaking of driving to see the Deftones, the Deftones were touring with Dredge, uh, who I loved uh, at the time. They were probably, if they weren't my favorite band, they were certainly a band that I would bring up if people were like, who's your favorite band? They would have been in the conversation for me. So Deftones and Dredge together was that was like mind blowing that you could see the two of them and the closest it was coming to me was Montana. And so I think it was like a 10 hour drive or something. And me and my friend were going to go and then something came up. I can't remember if it was work schedules or whatever. We didn't end up going and the show ended up getting canceled and it got canceled like two hours before like we would have been in montana and the show would have been canceled Oof. and that would have been so fucking brutal uh, so it ended up working out i can't remember why i don't remember if chino blew his voice out or what happened but but yeah it got canceled and it was just like holy hell like thank god we couldn't go because we were yeah. also so bummed that we at, at first that we couldn't go of course but but yeah it ended up working out thank Fuck. god I mean, I went to a Mars Volta concert that got canceled while we were waiting in line. Oh. Like they were headlining oh. and oh. the just we were waiting in line. Somebody came out and was like, they're not going to perform. And I was like, all right, well, we left. And, and was then, it a was it an injury thing or was it a I like think a vocal it was injury? These guys they hated dicks. each other. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dicks, and yeah. the way I felt about it was just like, you know what? Uh, I don't like this band anymore. It It really after oh, amputecture because yeah, they were touring on amputecture okay. and 
they canceled the first one while we were waiting in line and then they canceled it again. So oh, like had these tickets for off. a long time and they canceled it twice. And I was just like, fuck this band. You know, I, they, they already come off as total fucking pricks. Oh, but yeah. It was like, just fuck these guys. Who do these guys fucking think they are? And, and you know, at the time, I was such, like, I was so enraptured by, like, fame and, and shit like that. That, like, for me to, like, turn on you is was, like, it's just not. For me to be, like, fuck these guys. I was just not that kind of guy. I was they loyal. They had to do some serious shit. Yeah. Canceling yeah, two I, shows is is. It's just fucking brutal, man. It's like, how do you, first of all, you can't fucking cancel a show while people are standing in line. Like that is fucking crazy. You're just asking for trouble, right? Like that's, that's riot. Well, I think I've talked about this on the show before, right? I was at the Guns N' Roses riot in Vancouver. Oh yeah. 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 But, and that was a similar thing. It was like people were waiting in line and then they're like, oh, the show's not happening. And the problem with that one too was they didn't cancel it until like after doors. So it was oh, like door, doors were supposed to be at seven or something or, or whatever, six o'clock or whatever time it was. So people are, you know, people have been waiting in line for an hour or a couple hours or whatever because so the doors don't open. So it's like they're supposed to open at six. It gets to like seven thirty, eight o'clock. They're still not open. And then they come out and say, oh, the show's canceled. And people have been standing there waiting in line for like three hours. Yep. Of course, they're going to start throwing shit. Like, what What the fuck do you think is going to happen? That's why the riot happened at, at Woodstock, at, or not at Woodstock, at OzFest that I went to in 1997. Like, I had gone to, I went to OzFest twice that year. Because they went to Cleveland, and then they came to Columbus. And the shows were slightly different. And by that, I mean... uh Marilyn Manson wasn't at the one in Cleveland, but he was at the one in Columbus. That was like really the only difference. There was gotcha. not much, but I was just like, I, I needed to see him. It's 1997. It's just, that's the time to see that act at that point. Oh, and, for sure. um, I went to the show in Cleveland. It was like perfectly normal. People were moshing and, you know, kind of just having a good time. People were definitely fucking drunk, you know, and all fucked up on drugs and shit. Yeah, it's a festival, of course. But the venue was also really nice because it had like a wooded area with like picnic tables, which you don't see that at heavy metal concerts. No, ever. it's usually like literally in a parking lot or some <laughs> giant like concrete space. And heavy metal concerts are like almost designed to be like a stress position. Like it's just there's zero comfort and everybody's the fucking security guards are treating you like dog shit. The other fans are treating you like dog shit and you're just like and then it's just basically people bouncing around and 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 screaming at you for four hours so you're tired there's never any chairs there's never anywhere to sit um but this place had this fucking picnic area and uh so we went out hung out out there smoked weed had like a really good time the columbus show we got to it was fucking 90 degrees outside in the morning oh god um people got there at like eight in the morning to tailgate and we're fucking when we were lining up to go in the doors 
people were all already losing their fucking minds. They were just like, my brother got in there and passed right out. He walked through the gate. We went to the lawn and he fell asleep on the lawn until like three quarters <laughs> of the way through the day. It was just fucking crazy how people were. But then we got, you know, the whole day goes off without a hitch. And then they're just like out of nowhere. They're like, Ozzy's not going to be here. And I don't think, I don't know. I went to a lot of OzFest, and it would be unfair for me to say that most of the audience didn't want to see Ozzy because there was a definite contingent of people who really wanted to see Ozzy. But yeah. I think it was like highly kind Especially of. Especially at that time, right? Like <laughs> Ozzy's not, he's not making new music. He's not a household name. It's not, yeah. Or like he's a household name, but you know what yeah. I mean? Like that generation of kids wants to see corn and system of a down and shit. They're not like, Oh, I love war pigs. Yeah. And you get this, this really neat like concert that nobody has, has ever gotten, never got it since it was this really cool, like super groups of heavy metal guys. Like there was Peter Steele, Phil Anselmo and fucking Marilyn Manson were singing crazy train together. Like they were doing Ozzy songs. It was fucking crazy, right? It's like we're seeing this like really fucking neat thing happen. And then I don't know what happened. People had been throwing stuff all day because that's just what you fucking do. And like uh, people had been throwing sod and throwing shit all day. And then for some reason, out of nowhere, Phil Anselmo was like, I don't have to take this shit. Fuck this. And just threw the mic down. And like, the fucking second that Mike hit the stage, people started tearing the fence down and flipping cars and shit. It was oh like my God. so fucking nuts to be there. And the fucking cops, dude, were I was so nervous this was gonna happen to me. The cops, because it was in a um in the suburbs and a place where there wasn't anything really before. It was just sort of a field. So they rip out all the grass and shit like that and, and build the arena. And then they have to plant new trees around the place. So there's these trees planted. Cops are fucking just grabbing people and handcuffing them to trees and like walking away. And th those people are losing their fucking minds trying to pull the trees out of the ground. It was just a truly insane, like war zone night. And it, and it was just like, Everything there was set up. They closed the uh, food at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Like none, you couldn't get food anymore. And then they closed the beer at like six, which is like, man, places close, places stop selling beer for sure. It happens. You hear yeah, about oh it yeah, every definitely. time somebody goes to a fucking hockey game or a football game. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, they stop selling with like 10 minutes left in the third period or whatever. Yeah, they stopped at fucking six and people were already so fucking drunk, John. <laughs> that it was like at six o'clock. They were like, no more beer. And people were like, wait, I got to make it through the rest of the night without <laughs> beer. I got to I got to confront my demons. <laughs> And Marilyn Manson's going to be playing while that's happening. I don't think I don't think I can do that. That's too much, man. <laughs> there was a bomb threat too that day because of Marilyn Manson and a church hired an airplane with oh one of those God. banners on the back right. to say, yeah. remember, Jesus loves you. I mean, this was oh right in the heat of all right. of that sure. stuff. Sure. So it was a really neat experience. I'll say that. I don't know it's why crazy. I'm screaming. I just I remember that day 
thinking like, you know, if they treated people at heavy metal concerts like 15% better, nothing like this would ever happen. <laughs> just <laughs> it's seems just so easy. Like shit. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. just they fucking dump like they you can't have a bottle of water. They got to dump it in the flimsiest cup of all fucking time. You can't like you can't have a bottle of beer. They got to dump it in a cup. And it's just like, fuck this, man. Like, and the security guards are screaming at you. You can't stand there. Get the fuck over there. It's just like this is a bad experience. So I don't know. I, I just don't know how these bands. I guess they don't have to. Like all the security guards have to look down when they walk by. <laughs> yeah, I they can do what they the want. Thing. They can live yeah. it. They can live it up. Yeah, this this Deftones record is uh, is special for me. I think because this was the first new Deftones record to me. Um, so I, you know, I think I've talked on the show before. Um, you know, obviously I was into to Corn and Limp Biscuit, and then that's kind of was switching into Lincoln Park and Hoobastank and Incubus and POD and System of a Down and bands like that. And then in sorry, in in probably around 2002, uh, I started working. Well, I started working at Safeway in like 2000, but I started working with a guy who was really into Deftones, and so he showed me Deftones. Probably yeah, like oh. 0102 he kind of showed me them and I didn't even really know them like they were just such a weird band that way like even if you were a huge fan of Corn and Limp Biscuit, you didn't necessarily get into Deftones just because of that you yeah. know I, I think I think Limp Biscuit was very tied to Corn. it was like if you knew Corn, you knew Limp Biscuit, but Deftones just wasn't in that convo so they don't have a metal name you no, know they don't yeah, you think they about don't. it like I remember the first time I heard of it, I thought it was ska. Yeah, like just totally. Because I had heard the name has... Deftones, and it was yeah. like, this isn't, this isn't Sounds a metal like Mighty band. Mighty Boss Tones or, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Anything that has tones in it, you're like, oh, this must be a ska band. There must be a trumpet in here somewhere. But, uh, yeah, so so I got into Deftones uh, when White Pony was already out. And then, so I, I started to get, and then I loved Around the Fur, and I was getting really into them. And then this record would have come out in my, like right before my high school graduation. And I remember like hearing Minerva and just being like, Oh my God, this yeah. is like, this is like the best song I've ever heard in my life. Like it was yes. just, it, you know, it was such a fun kind of like lead up into, you know, really loving Deftones. Cause it, it is, it, it it's hard. And I think I still go through this now, Bri, where, you know, I get into like older bands occasionally, you know, you'll like uh, one I got into a little recently was the breeders. I had never really been like a breeders person and then kind of got into them. And I really liked the, the one album by them, but it's, it's hard when you get into older bands because there is just something about the feeling of, of the newness of music. I don't know why, but there just is there, there's something special about, you know, you hear the singles, you hear a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and then the album comes out. And in those days, you had to drive to the record store and buy it. And so, yeah, this this record, I think for me, is really my sort of quintessential Deftones record. I mean, I think I don't think it's their best record. You know, I still think White Pony is their best record, and I I would still also probably put around the fur above this one too, maybe. But it just listening to it for this episode it just it really just brings back some special feelings 
from that time. Like I just, I connected with this album in such a way with it being sort of, yeah, my first new Deftones experience. And I wonder if other people have that too, right? Because Deftones, none of their albums are bad. So there must be people who have that experience with Saturday Night Wrist or Koino Yokan or, you know, even later, like Gore, you know, I'm sure there's like 20 year olds now that Gore was their first Deftones record. So it always has a special place in their heart because of that. Um, but yeah, that this is definitely that record for me. Like it just even looking at the cover, like the cover of this record is so fucking sick. And yeah, I cool. like even even just like looking at it, I'm it just yeah, there's just so many positive feelings uh, tied into this record for me, I would say. So yeah, that's that's sort of my my kind of history with it. And then I, I saw them live for the first time touring this record. So that also, you know, that also makes it special too. I drove down to Seattle and and saw them for the first time at at the Paramount and and one of the best shows I've ever seen. And yeah, so th- this Every this time. record just very, very special for me, I would say. They don't put on stinkers live. They are like the anti system of a down. Even when I've <laughs> seen them and Chino was fucking just ripped. Uh, it was fun. It There was still a fun vibe. Cause I've told you about the time I saw him when he was so fucking drunk. He was like wearing a gold chain. He, for some reason started rapping, fuck the police out of nowhere. And yeah. Yeah. He just had no idea. I, he, I don't think he knew where he was. They were on tour with Godsmack at the time. Right. So I'm sure those guys were just fucking going off on uh booze. Cause I remember them saying, in a lot of their interviews, like great Deftones lore is that uh, Godsmack taught them about Pedialyte being oh, a hangover yes, cure. Right, right. They would always bring that up. Which and, is, that's uh, just so, that's so funny. Like, that is such a funny fact of just like, yeah, man, like we could just get, we could just get so drunk because we, uh, <laughs> Because we found out about Pedialyte, it just really like changed things for us. It just <laughs> changed just such the game. A, it changed the game, man. Like that is such a funny rock guy like quote. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's funny because you know, in the articles we read, it's like I I don't think I thought of these guys as like rock guys. You know what I mean? Like they don't seem but these guys are gonna listen i think that there's probably more of a chance of them getting in the rock and roll hall of fame than maybe corn because of people have bad feelings wrapped up in corn that they don't have wrapped up in deftones right because yeah i'd say that's true it's a rite of passage as a new metal guy specifically that is going to move to alternative music or like a little more interesting stuff that, that is going to be a person that listens to more than just metal, right? It's a rite of passage to decide that Deftones is actually the best of the new metal bands. For sure. <laughs> for sure. I the, think it's an interesting, it is an interesting pipeline, but it definitely exists for no question. Yeah. And and also it is a a I, I probably said this on the other episode too and it's this is not a thing I like to say in in like everyday life but honestly uh, being a Deftones fan especially in two thousand four was a type of virtue signaling 
in a way. That Definitely. It was like, okay, look, I listened to, yes, I used to like Limp Biscuit. That's when I was young. I still like Deftones, though. It's that thing about, uh, yes. I, you might not have ever heard this, but it's like a thing where like uh, young people are... It's something about young people are liberals, and then when they get older and smart, they become uh, uh, conservatives. It's something like that. I don't remember even the whole saying. It might even, it, but it is one of those things where they're like, young people are, are they don't know what they're, they don't know how good conservatism is because they're young and they still think the world can be fixed. And it's sort of the same thing with Deftones is that like, listen, if you listen to Limp Biscuit as a young man, one day you're going to grow up and have to listen to the Deftones. Okay? Yeah. 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 You got to grow up. You got to grow up and be a Deftones, <laughs> a Deftones fan. I mean, you'll, it does get feel there. that way. You what people that, Love Deftones. Like, we'll, we'll probably be shaking their head like, yeah, you're far, he's 100% right that, like, maybe at the time I didn't know what I was doing. It's like I talk a lot about uh, when I worked at the cable company, I always made sure I watched so much more independent film when I worked at the cable company than I do now as, a, I guess, an artist of some sort. Like, I don't watch hardly any of that stuff. And I think it was because I wanted to go to the cable company and be like, yeah, I was just, you know, watching little miss sunshine last night. Like it was all like <laughs> real middle brow shit, but I just wanted to be the guy that was like into the stuff that the other guys at the cable company didn't know about because I didn't want to be at that time. I didn't want to be like a working class guy that works at a, a, a cable company. I mean, no, honestly, yeah, yeah. still don't want to be that. <laughs> but uh, but it was like I was running from that. And Deftones was a really good, I mean, an excellent bridge for me into Weezer, then the Mars Volta, because I got into At the Drive-In, which then like, like, because At the Drive, Deftones into At the Drive-In is the perfect is the perfect off-ramping from new metal into, like, something different, you know? Because sure. I, I feel like At The Drive-In is one of the only bands in in kind of the Deftones genre in a weird way. I it, It's hard yeah. to explain that. But the Deftones aren't new metal and haven't been since probably 2003. Uh, well, they are. They started that way, and they are new metal, no matter how far they want to run away from it. But I don't think at the drive-in is punk in 2003. I think it's like this really weird middle ground that that they they are into, where it's like, well, we reap all the benefits of being new metal without people thinking we're new metal because people are naturally snobs. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think you're right for sure. I think I think Deftones was more of an off ramp for me for Screamo because I think Screamo has the sort of clean melodic singing, you know, that Deftones has. So I, I think there was that was the sort of off ramping for me. I agree too. Like at the drive-in came later for me, even though Relationship of Command is before this. That came after for me. 
Uh, but yeah, at the drive-in was big, but the, the sort of, for me, the pipeline was like Deftones to Thrice Thursday, Alexis on Fire, Ooh. that type of thing. And Deftones toured with Thrice and stuff. Like, it wasn't like they were opposed to each other either, right? Like, I think that they, I think a lot of Screamo bands would have cited Deftones as an influence. And I think that it was a, yeah, that was a sort of natural off-ramp for me too, to be like, oh, you know, I do like heavier music, but I like a bit of a softer touch or, I mean, I, you know, it's debatable whether Screamo is necessarily softer than new metal, but I think it was at the time. Yeah. The time like, and just the stuff I listen to, like Thursday doesn't really have much screaming. Alexis on fire has screaming, but then also has Dallas green who, you know, has the voice of an angel. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of a, and that's also a funny, you talked about you meeting Steph, uh, and him and bumming a cigarette, my very lame, I have since met Dallas, but my very lame concert story for a while was that I went and saw Alexis on fire in Seattle and I talked with George, the lead singer of Alexis on fire for because they opened for rise against and I didn't care about rise against. So I went outside the venue and talked with George and, and Dallas or sorry, George and Jesse, who was the drummer at the time. And Dallas was on his phone in the alley and when we left after talking to George, we waved at Dallas and he waved back and we were just like, he's so nice. He was probably like on the phone with his family, but he like waved back to us and he smiled at us. And that was our big like, yeah, I, oh, met, Dal- I met Dallas Green. He waved to me when he was on the phone. I remember telling this really, this is the worst story anybody's ever told. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this right now. Hell yeah. Because uh, I didn't get. Okay. So we were at campus. We went a little early because because the Newport Music Hall where we see the bands are on campus. So we went a little early to kind of hang around by the club and stuff like that. And we saw uh, uh, David from Corn, and he was going into a tanning salon. <laughs> For years, it was like David was going to a tanning salon. We saw him going into a tanning salon, and then we were yeah. like, "Hey, David!" And he waved back. Like that was the whole fucking story, and it was just because we were fucking, we were a block away from him. We weren't even right. <laughs> like we, we we were basically like I don't know. I wouldn't consider a person a block away from me even meeting me. I don't think. Oh, yeah, no. But yeah, you just, you're like, oh, they they waved. Nope. They acknowledged nope. me. I got, it's crazy. I'm looking and at for real, the. He, and for real, he tans. He goes to the tanning just like the tans. girls at school. He's a yeah. model. Yeah, it's um, crazy. I'm looking at the Deftone set list from when I saw them in Seattle in 2003, and they played 24 songs. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I'd have been ready to go. Uh, their shows Dude, are really high energy. <laughs> like, their encore, their encore was eight songs. Jeezy peasy. That's they crazy. Probably it's, felt it's basically like all like any song you would want to hear from their first four records they played. Like this set list is fucking incredible. And then yeah, I, I've told this story on the show before, but they closed the show with Knife Party with Rod Lean. Um, yeah. So that was like that was sick as hell. I've seen all of those songs live. But never at because I I mean I got into them before around the fur came out so right. I saw them tour on adrenaline right around so, the yeah. fur and like all this stuff so I've seen them yeah. all but it's like not as special as seeing them all at 
like you want them all at the same time. And like, I think the song that really blows my mind about these guys is on adrenaline. And it's, uh, um, it's, uh, engine number nine, I think is just like a fucking masterpiece, but there are a couple songs on this album that hit that set. Like, I think hexagram Such is a good song. so fucking good and i remember the first time i heard it i can still remember sitting in my house on the computer fucking i knew that something had leaked and it was hexagram and i remember listening to it the first time and being like this is gonna be the greatest album ever made it's just (laughs) this is crazy it's an awesome song it's so good yeah, it's so fucking good. And uh, uh, the other one on this, there's a song in this album that is the most Brian riff, Brian core riff. Bloody Cape? Any song. It is not. No. Oh. It, it, it is a battle axe. Battle axe. Yeah. That great song, song is the exact perfect guitar riff for me like it's it's a hundred percent like as i was listening to it yesterday i was reading reviews of swingers clubs and listening to this album in my office and just hearing that riff as it comes in is like this is what every fucking song Song. should sound like just the like uh especially with that drum part they're like that's yeah that part wrong yes it's fucking so good, man. I and it's like, think you should. I mean, it's just like, that's the kind of shit that I real like. That song is like really, I, I, I hadn't even forgotten about it. Yeah, me too. Until I was listening to it and I was listening to it and I was like, if somebody asked me what I like, this is what I should show them because this is exactly the kind of riff I like. And that's one of the things I really liked about this album too. Cause it's like, you hear white pony and you're like, these guys are never going back to doing heavy shit. And maybe even at that time, I was like, kind of happy about that, that, that well, I yeah, was white like, pony's yeah. so good. So you'd yeah. be like, okay, I'll take more of this. Yeah. And then they just do another heavy album. I've always tied this out. It's very strange, but I've always kind of tied this album to around the fur. Like it has yeah, a, a very, the same exact vibes as, as around the fur does. And yep. it falls in the same place in the world really to me, because it's like adrenaline is this album that it makes a lot of, it doesn't, it, adrenaline does like a lot of really interesting stuff. There is some fucking really cool shit on that album, but it For is sure. undoubtedly more experimental than around the fur. I just, I, I don't even think there's any way that somebody could argue that like adrenaline isn't just a little bit weirder than around the fur. And then you hear around the fur and it's like this band fucking tightening up. They just, it like all of a sudden everything clicked for them. They did that. They did that smart thing. We talked about on the around the fur episode. They didn't have Ross Robinson produce around the fur. So it was this like clean sound that you weren't getting from any of these other bands. And then 
White Pony comes out and it's like a kind of slower album and like a little bit more experimental. And then they come out with this and it's fucking just a heavy fucking ass kicking album. And it's like, I, man, if they did it on purpose, it would be incredible to just be like, look, we'll fuck around on one album. We'll come back and we'll fucking do a metal um, we'll do experiments and we'll come back. And I think a lot of that has curtailed since, uh, you know, the side project started since crosses and team sleep started. I, I, I yeah. think that like, I would they, say they're doing sorry, more deft tone. Well, I'm saying they're doing more deft tones type stuff sure. now. Yeah. Like more I was going to say to me, the white pony follow up is diamond eyes. I think they don't really, they don't really try to make white pony again until diamond eyes. In my opinion, Saturday night wrist has some atmospherics, but to me that album kind of exists on its own plane. Cause it's sort of mixed up in that whole Eros, uh, unreleased album, Chi Chang accident sort of era. So Saturday night wrist is kind of its own thing. And then I feel like diamond eyes was sort of, Hey, we can still do white pony. Just don't, don't you forget it was yeah. like this, uh, this album was like, uh, we can still do around the fur. And then yeah. diamond eyes was like, we can still do white pony. Don't, don't fucker. Don't, don't get it mistaken. We can still do white pony if you want. Well, um, you can see where if you were a band that would, especially this band in particular, that you would want to do that. That would, that would, sure. because this band has a lot tied up into being like the cool band. You know, I, I mean, these guys are, this is, if you had to, if, if somebody asked you who the coolest metal band is, it, I mean, it's Deftones every time. I can't think of anyone. I mean, I, the only other band I could think that you would put in that category, but I don't agree with it is Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah. But, I don't agree with it either. I think, yeah. <clears throat> but that, to that, me, that, I'm going to piss you off, but to me, Josh Homie, and it, it gives me the same vibe as John Moxley. Just like fake hard guy. I don't buy into I don't buy into whatever both of those two guys are selling. So but I agree uh, with you. I do think a lot of people think that Josh Homme or however you say it is like a cool guy. And to me, I think he's like a loser. Like he has big loser energy to me. People are gonna get well, mad at me for saying that, but I don't care. Well, I don't think he seems cool now for some reason, but that's because I don't think anybody seems cool I just didn't now. think he was cool then either. I didn't buy yeah, I the did. whole, ooh, I'm a fake snarling rock and roll guy at a fuck. I, but I also, Queens of the Stone Age, I never really liked their music, so that was also an easy, pardon me, kind of an easy out for me. <laughs> Songs for the Deaf is just banging. That's a good album, but it is like just an, it's a concept album too. It just is like, it is very hard for a heavy metal band to be cool. And I mean, it's perfect that you brought up Moxley because it's also really hard for a wrestler to be cool. For sure. You know, for sure. Like, and I, I, I don't begrudge people for liking him. I understand why you would like him. I just it's just like for me, it's so put on. I, I just can't. I don't know. I can't buy it. I just think it's an uncool metal is just an uncool genre. I mean, oh, it started sure. out with guys singing about like fucking lord of the rings and shit you know what i mean <laughs> yeah like, totally totally divine, was never divine gonna, magic and shit like that yeah it was never gonna turn into you know i don't think guys like us were ever going to like continue to like it like there's not a heavy metal lou reed <laughs> and no. the closest <laughs> yeah. you get the closest you really get is deftones 
to like a heavy metal, like cool dude. You know, it's also David like Bowie. Deftones is very interesting to me because I agree with you. Like I, I, you know, you, you still see a picture of the Deftones in like 2023 and you're like, these guys are fucking cool. Like they, they are cool. Like, and all their branding is still so cool. Like, you know, they, anytime they put out merch, you're like, ah, they're still making some of the best merch in the game. Dia de los Deftones is such an amazing idea. They get all these cool bands like Turnstile and Brutus and Gojira and whatever to play it. Like, it's just a cool, they're, they're cool, but like they're dumb as shit. And like, I don't, I don't usually think dumb guys are cool, but Deftones somehow managed that. Like, it's so impressive that they are very stupid guys that like still come across as cool, especially to me, because I'm like a big nerd. And to me, like, I don't, I don't generally find people that are dumb, cool, but like Deftones have it for sure. Like, I I totally agree with you. There's something about their style and vibe that just still hits all I mean, these years. And it's the same. They haven't changed either. That's the crazy part. Like their style on adrenaline. Like if you see a picture of them on adrenaline and a picture of them now, they're dressing the same. Their hair is the same. Their beards are the same. And they still just look cool as fuck. Like it's wild. It's because it's effortless. Number one. And it's because like when you look at corn now or you look at Limp Biscuit now, they are basically like the characters at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> we know what they're going to be wearing when we see them. That's but very Deftones good. doesn't look like that. They look like uh um they look it's effortless. It's just a t-shirt and jeans. It was never like a thing where they overcompensated. They were just guys with like good hair that put on a t-shirt and jeans and played. And you couldn't have told me that would be cool in the two thousands because I hated grunge because of that. Right. Like I disliked the conceit of grunge where it's like, we're not fucking rock stars, dude, because in my yeah, mind, we wear flannel and rip jeans and we don't care. Cause in my mind, you're fucking rock stars. You are rock stars. You can't right. deny that you're a fucking rock star. And, uh, I found it to be, I, I found that whole thing to be very, uh, uh, disingenuous where with these guys in new metal, a lot of them were like, trying to be rock stars very hard and uh deftones don't seem like they were trying to be rock stars no i don't think but so they are like rock stars they are like i've said this before when i was younger i wanted to like look like fieldy or jonathan davis or fred durst and the truth is like now i would want to look like Chino, I didn't realize how fucking much cooler they were because they don't look like they're of a time. Like, because when you go back and look at old pictures of, you know, even yourself, it's like, oh, man. And, you know, I had that picture I posted the other day with a derby hat on. I had another one with a fedora <laughs> and my bad facial hair and just everything looks so bad. And yeah. it was like, uh, God damn, dude. But like now I've almost kind of put it together. Those guys just had it put together. They just always looked fucking cool. I mean, and with Chino, it's like, 
a goatee? For I know real? it's amazing that he makes it work, but he makes it work. <laughs> and like not even a goatee always. Some like a lot of times it's just like a chin beard. <sighs> like it makes no and and like some of them it's like a huge chin beard and he looks not only cool but hot. You're like yeah. I would fuck this guy. Like it's great. like he has sex appeal. It's mental. You would put on you you I like it's like I would let my facial hair do that if I had any confidence in the fucking world, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I could see him being like, I'm just going to do a soul patch. And it's like, don't, don't do that. But then he comes on, you're like, hey, he looks good in a soul patch, too. Yeah. I think he had an just... era where he had a soul patch and frosted tips and he looked unbelievable. Yeah. And it, it just, that is, I think some of the smartest stuff they did was, I mean, I think they could have gone about it as less dicks and maybe done one for us one for the fans you know what i mean but uh look they didn't want to fucking do it and uh but it was ended up in my time being like well you know my dream is to see deftones corn and limp biscuit at the same show and that never ended up happening for me and it's probably never going to end up happening for me you know nope. And it's be, I mean, the, I think we're closer to it happening now than we ever were because yep. it does seem like Deftones are less concerned with the idea of like they're older and they know it like doesn't matter that whole like now yeah. they, they've got oh, you guys are new metal. No, we're not. Leave us alone. You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, totally. But now it feels like they're a little bit more open to just saying, fuck it, I don't care. Because if I was if I was younger too, man, you do this for a living. You know, I talk about I'm starting a new podcast over from my old one. And I was I was talking about it like where it's like, man, it just feels like it you just never know how people are going to respond to stuff. You don't know if people like you or the thing and and like uh, these guys had the foresight to know that at some point it was going to become uncool to be these bands where the other bands didn't know. And were just like, fucking man, I got to buy another fucking track suit or another. I need to do something crazy with my hair or something like that because you know, we're going to make it, or I have to be, and you know, I, I found like taproot and a couple other, those bands, those are like Deftones core. They were all trying to do Deftones. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. Even Lincoln park, I think at a certain point was trying to do Deftones. I think everybody in new metal tried to do Deftones. It's just that like, it's a yeah. once in a lifetime act. Corn, you know, corns, maybe the only one I would say that didn't. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Because I, I, I think mean, I think part of it too is probably Corn would have seen Deftones as like rivals, right? Like Limp Biscuit, they kind of created, you know, the whole Fred Durst giving Fieldy the demo and all that sort of stuff, and they did the Family Values tour. Like I think they saw Limp Biscuit as sort of like their little brother, even when Limp Biscuit was bigger than Corn for a moment there. I don't think Corn ever saw them as like a competitor. To me, I think Deftones was sort of the like cool competitor, you know, like, yeah. and, and, and you, and you, even if you're bigger, like corn's always been bigger than Deftones. They will always be bigger than Deftones, but from like an artistic perspective, I think there's nothing that drives you more crazy than 
a band that's in your genre, a limited genre that aren't that, that not that many bands are having success in that's doing like the cool version of what you're doing where people are reviewing it and, and going, Oh, artistically, this is so strong and good. And then they're not saying that about you. I think that that <laughs> would be really tough. Born. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the reviews are directly in opposition of oh, these totally. other bands, too, where it's like, fuck. And Deftones was one of the first bands, too, which, you know, uh, uh, haven't sold as many albums as a lot of the other bands. But, like, that's just not guaranteed. You know what I, I mean? Think- it doesn't matter. As long as you're making a living, that's. That's all you need, you know? Yeah. It's really, uh, to me, there's a very, like, direct comparison to comedy. Like, I think there's always going to be those guys that are, like, comedians, comedians, you know? Where it's, like, every comedian loves them and thinks what they're doing is brilliant and they're jealous of them because their mind just doesn't work that way. But then they don't necessarily have a lot of success, you know, because they're doing such a sort of niche version of comedy. Not that the Deftones are niche, but you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, it, there's there in a way they are for sure yeah. compared to the mainstream. They're niche, but in metal, they're not niche. But I'm just saying, like, I think that's the I think that's the thing that really gets me because I think of that with my comedy, right? Like my comedy is pretty just like straightforward observational comedy. I rely on, you know my brain to dissect weird situations. And I don't have that alt kind of charisma sort of crazy brain where, you know, some comedians have that where they say stuff and you're like, I don't even know why this is funny, but it's so (laughs) fucking funny. And I'm so jealous of that. And again, it's the same thing with the Deftones. It feels effortless to those people. It's like, how, how does your brain work like this? Like, how are you so effortlessly funny? Like me writing jokes takes months and I got to work it out on paper and then on stage. And like, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. And I think it's probably the same for corn, you know, Deftones always had that effortless cool to them. Uh, and corn was cool too, but I, I think they would have thought of it as like, God, you know, these guys are, they're out arting well, us. Well, you don't, uh, it's a weird situation being in like a scene uh, of some sort right and and it's like you want what the other people have so like i probably i've i've made you know not as much as i've as as some people but like i still like when i started this new patreon I, i'd been talking to you and i was like i don't know i i fucking have no idea what people like about me and all i can do is compare myself to my peers to which i think i'm like far less talented than and like i think that that is something like where it's like uh corn is like am i like less talented or just less cool are they playing the game better than us what's the deal yeah. but also the problem i think that complicates that <laughs> relationship is that like deftones very pointedly say they don't want to tour with corn in yeah. interviews. They say that. And it's like, man, you know, that's kind of the dream show for everybody. The the corn limp biscuit deftone show was the dream show back then that we could never have because deftones just decided they wouldn't like, do well, it. Yeah. And it makes sense in the end now because like I bet you deftones 
well, I don't know this for sure, but I wonder if they're even selling the same amount or getting the same plays on their albums that like Corn and Limp Biscuit get now, where it's like they have kind of evened out in over this time. I Let guess. me look. I'll look right now and see. Let's see what Spotify tells us here. Because so many people now are like, they're the best of those bands. As they're this like really great band. And it, I mean, I bet you it could have evened out. I, I don't know for sure, but I could see it evening out over time where it's like, okay, well, now like Corn is selling this many albums and Deftones is selling slightly more or maybe just like the same uh which is an interesting thought i mean if it worked out but they were just smart man they fucking focused on legacy and uh you know that takes foresight to do that was something i was very obsessed with uh with street fight like i was like very obsessed with like some sort of legacy where when it's over people are like man that was like worthwhile and it it spawned stuff and it made you know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah, it, it helped to do something cool. And like, uh, it's all I cared about. I was like, I just want to be cool. I just want people to be like, Oh, he's cool. I don't care about money as much. <laughs> and, uh, I think that's how Deftones felt too. It was just like, in the end, this will even out, uh, you know, we'll be okay. And I think they learned the power of the internet a lot quicker than other bands because like they had like three albums in a row get leaked. <laughs> which totally they actually talk about in the uh, uh articles we have which we should probably get to yeah we'll get to them in one second so the uh so deftones most played song is change it has 221 million streams then next is my own summer at 176 million then be quiet and drive at 122 million and then sex tape at 100 million so they only have four songs over a hundred million plays. Corn's most streamed song is Freak on a Leash at 343 million streams. That makes sense. Coming Undone is number two, which is crazy to me because that song sucks. That's 242 Ooh, like million plays. Falling Away From Me, 214 million plays. Got the Life, 173 million. Twisted Transistor, 128. And then Blind, a uh, hundred. So they so Corn has six songs over a hundred million plays, and then Limp Biscuit has actually taken the crown there. They they have Break Stuff at three hundred and seventy five million, Rollin' at three hundred and seventy million, Behind Blue Eyes at three hundred and fourteen million. Take a look around at two eighty, My Way at two thirty seven, My Generation at one sixteen, and Nookie at one oh eight. So Olympus get has seven songs over a hundred million and they have three songs over 300 million. So Limp Biscuit is, is way ahead and they're the corn and Limp Biscuit are still both well ahead of the Deftones. Well, I think what I was, what I was saying was like when Ohms come, when Ohms came out, did it have roughly the oh, same amount yes. of, oh. of spins as the nothing as like and, the nothing and still sucks or whatever. Yeah. I would say it's probably, probably fairly I even. Yeah, in yeah. that regard. I think they've evened out now, which is, I mean, that's how you want to be. You want to be 25 years or 30 years into your thing and still able to draw yeah, for more sure. than your peers. 
Definitely. Oh, no question. Um, just before we get into the articles, I do want to briefly talk about the album specifically, uh, because I just want to say that, and maybe this is similar. You sort of touched on this earlier when you were talking about battle acts in particular, pardon me, but I just, I can't believe how fucking good this album is. It is so good. Like I, I think people think of this record as like a lesser Deftones record. Maybe I'm wrong in saying that, but I just, that's just my general feel about it. I they think, do. I think people were, were hard on Minerva when it came out. Cause it was, I guess a little softer and Changey. I do think people, yeah. And I think people think of this as like a, one of their lesser records. And I just, I don't know, maybe it's going back to what I said earlier about it being my first new Deftones record, but God, it's f- so fucking good. Um, I think the if- reason that you might have issues with it is that they, they didn't seem to like it. Yes, for sure. You know? They definitely don't. And and it, I would say like, if this was not, if lucky you wasn't on it, this would be a John's perfecto for me, but unfortunately Ooh. lucky you is on it. So I can't, uh, Lucky you, I try so many times. We listen to the Matrix soundtrack even with it on it. I just can't get there. And it just sucks because I feel like Battle Axe into Bloody Cape would be so good if Lucky You wasn't there. Because Battle Axe is a little softer. It's got that atmospheric thing. And then Bloody Cape is just heavy as fuck. I just feel like it'd be such a good thing. But but yeah, for me, I mean, I genuinely think Minerva is a top five Deftone song. And I think that this record is it's even better than I remember. And I already had a very high opinion of it and listening to it for this. I was just like, Holy shit. This record is fucking good. People giving Minerva shit is like, I I think I understand that because it feels like change in the house of sure. Like it just sort of feels like they were like, let's make a change for this album because that was such a big hit. So I get why maybe that song got a little bit of shit, but like, I don't think there's real, I don't think lucky used that bad. It's not like great, but like, I guess apparently you have to let him have a song and uh, <laughs> it seems uh, that way. Yeah. He just gets it. I mean, it's funny because <laughs> the other song, I like most of his other stuff, but that song just is, I don't know. It just doesn't have like, it just it doesn't, doesn't fit on it. the record. It's just, it's very incongruous to me. Like if I think we've talked about it maybe even before when we did the matrix review, but if it was at the end of this album, I could almost pass it and I could, because then I off. would just, yeah. Cause I could just turn it off and I'd be like, Oh, whatever. They tried something different. It's sort of like a tacked on track, but where it sits in the track listing, it's like, it's jarring. I, I don't like it. I, I think it, I think it screws up the album sequencing. It, it's very incongruous with the rest of the record. Um, I don't care for it. I also want to say I was a little shocked in reading the articles that they said that this album cost $2 million to me <laughs> because I cannot believe Deftones like that Maverick would have covered 2 million for them at this time. Like they weren't that big of a band. It's just unbelievable to think of like the budgets that record labels would give bands. Um, but I will say it sounds like 2 million bucks. This record sounds so good. Terry date is so good. Like every record we do that's produced by Terry date. It just sounds amazing. Like this album just leaps. It just like leaps into your ears. I can't believe how good it sounds. I also want to, I want to bring one up that I love that. Uh, I, 
I I hadn't heard it in so long, and when I heard it, I was like, "Fuck!" I forgot how much I like that, and that's when girls telephone boys. Oh, I, I that's a Brian Core song for sure. Yeah, well, it's got that dun 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 dun. dun. That is fucking sick, man. It's so heavy, and like, the screaming in there too. Like I, I I was listening to it last night, and I'm like, I bet Brian loves this song. I like it too. It's a very good song. But I was listening to it. I'm like, I bet this is Brian's like low key favorite song on this record. My favorite song is definitely Battle Axe. But like, uh, I I enjoy. I like when they get heavy. It's weird oh, yeah. because I don't like Elite at all i don't either and that's the song they won a grammy for which is will never not be funny to me but i like like head up i don't like rickets but like there's always a a heavy song on the album i kind of don't like yeah um, this one rips i this hope we so never good. do meet again yeah he's fucking crazy man it's crazy how good this album is it's so and, good it is so good yeah um What's anyway. the wake up too? Is that good morning beautiful when he says you should wake, wake up. up? That one Yep, that's it. Good morning the beautiful. Wrath comes. That's one of the ones yeah, that's like that's that's great Chino lyrics. Totally. Totally. Um okay, well let's get into the articles and yeah, we can start with this first one uh because you did say Part of the reason people don't like this record is because the Deftones themselves maybe didn't like it. And I thought there was some interesting stuff here. This is Stephen Hyden uh, of Uproxx, in con- very well-known rock critic, oh. in in conversation with Chino uh, September 11th, 2020, uh, where he asks Chino to review all of their records up to that point, up to Ohms. And so this is what Chino had to say about this record. That's probably one of our darkest records. By the time we were done touring with White Pony, everybody was a little spent because we had been going nonstop basically since Adrenaline with touring and then right into the studio again and then more touring, not really having any time off. A few of us got into bad habits and it just really seemed like this dark cloud was over us. Because we were successful with White Pony and we went against the grain, I was thinking, oh, we can just do that again and we'll make another great record. But that formula just doesn't exist. What you put into something is what you get out of it. That sort of dragged down the record-making process for a while. As far as the music, I actually really like it. It's heavy and it's big-sounding and it's really dark. I agree with all Mm. that. White Pony... White Pony was more fantasy kind of lyrics and not really looking inward and just writing about random shit. Where this one, even though the words are metaphorical, I was writing a lot about what I was going through at the time. I was a little out of my mind with drugs or whatever and just sort of in a dark place. That record is really heavy in that way. It's probably one of our only records that when I listen to it, I get a weird feeling. Some of the stuff's not comfortable for me to listen to. Yeah, that's kind of uh uh I read that too and he's talking about his lyrics and I'm just like <sighs> like I ever I jotted down every time he talked about his lyrics and these articles about like oh white pony is this album that's about random stuff while this one's dark and it's like Nobody knows what you're talking about ever. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody. I have been the biggest fan of you. I have been your biggest (laughs) fan. But I don't know what the fuck even one song is about (laughs) unless you tell me. And even then, I'm like, I'll bet it ain't about that. Like Digital Bath, when he tells you what that's about. And you're like, yeah, but I bet you if I asked him now, it would probably be something different. (laughs) I just don't think anybody ever knows what he's talking about. 
So it's, it's so much funny. metaphor stuff for sure. Yeah. And also like, even if you knew what he was talking about, you probably wouldn't want to know what he was talking about. Like it probably wouldn't be whatever Chino thinks in his mind he's talking about. It would maybe not be that interesting, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I did think that was that whole thing was sort of interesting that he feels like it's a dark record. He can't really go back to in some ways. And I guess like, I don't necessarily think of this as like a dark record or like a dark Deftones record. Maybe it is Uh, like, I mean, obviously he thinks it is, but I, I don't know when I'm listening to it. I don't necessarily think like, Whoa, this is fucking dark. No, I don't either. I don't, I, I, I don't know what, I mean, in that, like this album is less horny than the two that came before it. So maybe he's like, I wasn't singing about being fucking horny. So this is a very dark time for me. (laughs) Right. Usually I'm just, usually I'm just jacking off my little pecker in the studio, but (laughs) maybe this time I never even took it out once. Yeah. Maybe my dick wasn't working at the time because of the drugs. That's probably (laughs) what he's talking about with the drugs. Yeah. You could be right. I was doing all kinds of Coke. I couldn't get my fucking dick to work. And so all the songs are about my mental illness. (laughs) I believe that. I believe that actually. I never uh, know what the dude's talking about. Me, oh, ever, me neither. I, ever. In in fucking all the time I've been listening to I him, can, I, I have no idea who he is as a person. I can tell you that he's like what the general idea is. Like I'm be like, oh, this song's about sex. But like that's it. And I can't go I can't God. go past that, you know? I'd be like, oh, okay, I think this song is about he hates his bandmates. Okay. Yeah, I, I know I that. I, but like I just that yeah, to actually dissect it. I got nothing. Um, okay. I, yeah. And you're a teacher. Like, so you have to like decipher <laughs> like poetry yeah. and shit. Like I was in, when I was in school for English, it was like, I would be decipher. I'd be, you know, writing papers about poetry and stuff like that. I generally figure it out. Like what this is about. Yeah. And now I think about that and I'm like, I was able to figure out like poetry written in the 1800s. And I have no idea what this guy that's like 10 years older than me is ever talking from Sacramento. About. He's a black box, dude. I don't, I really think that he is just, no one knows what's going on there. There's no way you could ever know what's going on there. Like you could interview him a thousand times Oh yeah, and, and just, you would never get anything out of him. I don't know his personality at all. And even from reading these articles, it's like, there was a point where I was starting to kind of try to figure out who he was. And then there was like a piece that was very strange in the article where they, uh, let me see if I can find it because I had it ripped out, but I don't remember which article it's from. It's from revolver. Okay, it's yeah, from so this is re- from May 2003, and I want to shout out Deftones World, because uh, a lot of these are actually pictures of magazines, um, which we don't usually do. Usually, I'm just pulling stuff that's off of web pages, and Deftones World actually has a whole page of every interview they did in 2003, and a lot of them are just screen caps of magazine pages, uh, which is fucking sick. But yeah, this is from, uh, this is from Revolver, May 2003. Um. So he's talking about 
the sessions continued through the winter in Los Angeles. By all accounts, Deftones would have continued work on the album indefinitely if their label, Maverick, hadn't stepped in with a hard and fast deadline. I could take forever doing vocals, Marino says. I pick every single word very carefully. It's not as easy as simply finding words that rhyme. I have to find lyrics I'll feel the same about for 10 or 20 year years, I have to find words that can last a career. And it's like, you really hacked that dude because like you just put a bunch of words together and that's it. Like I, like I said, John, I, I don't know anything about this guy other than he doesn't want to be considered new metal. That's, like that's the all one yeah. thing I know, but every, Oh, I tell you what was the thing I was thinking about. There is a, a part where they're talking about, they're all kind of like, you know, kind of talking shit. They're, they're all talking past each other and stuff in the article. And then Chi, I think it was, was like, man, I'm just sitting there listening to Chino, man. He's got a lot to say. He's, <laughs> he's a wise guy. And I was like, fuck, what am I missing? Like that, I don't think he seems like very wise no. in the articles. No, he doesn't. And I think that he his lyrics, I don't other than like when you think about Digital Bath, right? It's like it's a stupid song about somebody electrocuting a yes. woman in the bath. Yeah, right. Sexually, yes. Sexual well, yeah, but with electricity, not yeah, yeah. With but their it's like dick. for sexual gratification that they're they want to be electrocuted in the bath. For sexual gratification. But if you play digital bath for me right now, and you you play digital bath for 15 people on the street, all they'd be able to say is, wow, it's really pretty. Like the thing that he has is this voice that is just incredible. And it, it's, it's, there's not a lot of people like this, but a voice that is so good and so original that he never has to say anything. <laughs> totally. Everything he says sounds amazing. So you're just like, you okay, he sure. Ever talks? Do, do you think? Do you think he ever like is having a conversation with somebody about like politics or like no. uh, movies or like you don't you can't ever see him ever doing anything normal. I could never see him. I figure this is all I think about like right now. I think about what is Chino doing right now? He's in Oregon. There's trees everywhere. And he's recording like a crosses album or a fucking uh, team sleep. All I can picture him doing is making music. That's it for sure. Well, and he like, yeah, I agree. And, and I think that that's maybe why like Steph has sort of been allowed to be a weird quasi anti-vax right wing guy, because I think Chino just doesn't care. No, uh, he's just kind of like, whatever. Yeah, OK, that's Steph. I'm me. Who gives a shit? Uh, but yeah, to kind of one thing that a lot of these uh, articles do seem to point out is that Deftones like it's impossible to get them to work. Uh, which is very funny to me because they sick. also have that vibe. This is from the Sacramento Bee, which I thought was a great pull by Deftones World from May 2003. So I thought, you know what? Their local newspaper probably does has like a unique angle on it. And this was crazy to me. Uh, so, yeah, talking about that, you know, you're talking about him taking forever in the vocal booth. 
Uh, still, the group wasn't necessarily in a hurry to capitalize on White Pony's momentum. The Deftones spent the better part of 2002 writing and recording the new album in their West Sacramento studio, as well as in Seattle and Los Angeles. In the end, the band moved at a speed that was too slow for its label, Maverick. Just how slow? Quote, we got fined for not turning our record in on time, says Moreno. It was a lot of money, too. They wanted our record out last year, and we told them, all right, we can do it. But then they <laughs> threw a clause in there where if the record's not out by a certain date, we'd get fined. The whole time we were working on our record, I don't think we were stressing about, oh, it's got to be done by this day. <laughs> it was just done when it was done. So I love the idea that Maverick's like, we've worked with these guys before. They're going to take for fucking ever to do this thing. We just got to, we got to find them if they don't do it on time. And Chino just being like, ah, yeah, that part of it didn't really bother us. Like the, the fact we were going to get fined, like whatever. And you know what though? It's, it's money that you never get is not really yours. For sure. You know, For cause sure. they didn't have to write a check to Maverick. No. So it just goes like on just, the advance or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, so they or just the take it out of that. And it's like, well, I was never going to get that because I was never going to get the album done <laughs> by that time. <laughs> yeah, I never so I, planned to get it done. I do like that that like work ethic is is really cool that they're just like, that's why they only have eight albums and they've been together for like almost 30 years. They have eight fucking albums. Uh, the other revolver thing is when they ask him if he's good, uh, uh, if they think they're as good as Metallica, <laughs> that quote is incredible. He goes, uh, uh, they go, we're the best band out there live, which I would actually allow him to make that argument. I, I would say he's saying they're I the have... best band on summer sanitarium. Well, I... that's true. Yeah, maybe. Well, he goes, a big part of me has a problem opening up for limp biscuit and Lincoln park two bands that wouldn't exist if it weren't for me straight up <laughs> but in the end that's an amazing uh, quote also it is great it is great because the, uh, the thing I, the the problem i have with that is i just don't agree deftones did not sell enough records to say that they made limp biscuit or lincoln park i know that they were one of the sort of early new metal bands adrenaline comes out in 95 i get all of that but Deftones did not sell enough records to say that Linkin Park would not exist without them. Come on. Yeah. I mean, they were touring. They were doing shows with Korn super fucking early. And like, I think 93 or 94, they were like doing shows together. So, I mean, they I'm had not a lot saying to they're do not a staple of the genre. The I know. Well, I know that. But I mean, at the same time. Come on. And, well, yeah, I would never say that personally. <laughs> well, I, I know. I always goof on people who who like talk about street fight as like they they're that people will say they're they're uh, the godfathers of whatever this is, and I'm like, I didn't invent podcasting. Like, I I don't know like what I really did other than do a podcast. <laughs> Like, but uh, uh, that's I, I don't see myself that way. And I'll bet you if Chino read these articles, he wouldn't feel great about it either. But it does. There is a point where you're like, well, I'm influential, too. For sure. You know? For sure. Um, but he goes, uh, um, 
I'm seriously energized. I'm not going out to make friends and kick it. I'm out there to leave people with their jaws on the floor, and I know we can do it. I know we're the best live band on the tour. Again, probably true. Probably, um, but not in a stadium. Uh, you, there's you cannot. Metallica is better in a football stadium than Deftones. That's oh, probably a good de- point. definitely. I was at Summer Sanitarium. I promise you, Deftones were not the best band. Limp, Limp Biscuit and Lincoln Park and Metallica were all better than Deftones in a football stadium. I wonder if they just weren't heated up, you know, oh, where probably it's like we're not. playing, playing in at like three in the day. afternoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't even be doing this at this point. It's fucking we're on our fourth album. We shouldn't be. But it's like, I'm sure the money is just the money crazy. must have been incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the other guys And plus it's like, you know, we get to hang out with Metallica, which they probably yeah. didn't. But, you know, they probably felt like they probably got to hang out with like Metallica like twice. And they're like better than Metallica. He's like, hell yeah. Metallica have a vast catalog. But live motherfuckers just stand there and play. We rock out their shit. We're going to blow that motherfucker up. And it's just very funny because nobody tries harder than him. But, like, you're right. That tour is probably not the one to be doing this because, like, man, you know, you see those fucking guys in a club or in an arena. For sure. Just, there's nobody better. There's, They're great. I, uh, don't, and don't get me wrong. I'm not. They're a great, amazing live band. I, I think yeah. Deftones are incredible live. It just it's such a funny thing to say. Like that tour, Metallica flew jets over the stadium during their set. And yeah. made it sound like the jets were bombing the stage and then fireworks went off and then they came out and played. Like, you cannot be like, as Chino, we're going to blow this motherfucker up. Metallica literally blew it up. They yeah, they have planes and they, pyro and shit. Yeah, but, they, like, they, but you got to, I think I also look at it in the way of like, the fans of Deftones definitely want something different than they're getting out of this tour. Oh, right? for sure. Like for sure. The average fan of Deftones is like, I didn't even go to Summer Sanitarium because it was just like, what's the fucking point, man? It's in a big football field. I I don't know. It's going to be hot. It's going to be in a football field. It just doesn't seem fun to me to see Deftones in a in a place that big. And, you know, I'd already seen all these bands a hundred fucking times. So it was, it was just like it was sick. As yeah, hell. I had a great. Day. I mean, <laughs> I didn't I didn't go. <clears throat> But, like, I had some friends that went, and they were like, yeah, it was fine. But, like, that's because, like, I stopped going to see Deftones because I wanted to see them in 2,000-seat venues. Like, I had been yeah, seeing that makes them perfect for fucking sense. years. That makes perfect you sense. Know? I hadn't seen any of those bands at that point. So, yeah, it makes perfect see, sense that you the, wouldn't go. I've seen those bands in, like, really small, intimate settings over and over again. Like, I've seen Deftones... In a 2000 capacity venue, fucking five or six times. And it's just like the the type of energy you get indoors, number one. I think indoors oh, concerts yeah, yeah. It's way is just, and the type of energy you get out of Chino and the type of stuff he's willing to do is better than Metallica in a club, not better than them when they have the blue angels flying over. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was insane. Um, so yeah, speaking of tours, I do think they probably took summer sanitarium because they regretted turning down family values. Uh, they talk about this in the, in uh, Q article from July, 2003, uh, when they head out on Metallica's U S summer sanitarium tour, they will be fourth on the bill. If anything, Deftones seem to enjoy their underdog status. 
quote, we've been offered lots of things that would help our careers in the short term, but that we just didn't feel right taking, says Frank Delgado. Like what? Like the Family Values Tour, he says. Family Values, a now defunct American new metal arena tour, has starred over the years Corn, Limp Bizkit, Stained, and Lincoln Park. We knew that it wasn't right for us to take it, but man, we were offered a lot of money to take that tour. How much were you offered? I'm not telling you, he says, but it was a lot. It costs more than $2 million to record Deftones. Is it hard to keep that independence of mind now that the stakes are so high? Here, Chino Moreno thinks just for a moment, he folds his arms and answers, not really, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't fucking care about $2 million. I I believe he doesn't, but I do wonder if that was part of the reason they took Sanitarium, too. They spent all this money on on the self-titled, and they got fined and all that shit, and they're like, you know what? Maybe we should take the multi-million dollars to do this Metallica tour. And they're like, we could have been on fucking tour with Corn, which is probably a hundred times funner than being on tour with Metallica, I, I would say. Um, what do I got here? I got, oh, I got this here. I don't know what it is because these articles were very hard for me to read. Chino Marino's bandmates and the Deftones have a nickname for him, and that name is Waylaid. Rolling around Las Vegas in a hired 20-seat <laughs> bus decorated with a giant ad for Michael Flatley's Lord of the Dance Show, we found out why. Moreno, a burly man who wears a perpetual look of mild surprise, is absent-minded <laughs> and easily distracted. He once left an advanced copy of the band's second album in a Walkman at a McDonald's restaurant in Times Square. Three years later, the front man left the master copy of White Pony in the seat pocket of an American Airlines airplane. <laughs> uh, so this time around, there's an atmosphere of strict security surrounding the band's self-titled Powerhouse Fourth Outing. For that reason, all advanced copies of Deftones features a baritone voice that reminds you every 20 seconds or so that you're listening to the new Deftones. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I do. I do. Losing the fucking... I. I benefited from him losing White Pony because I remember the night I heard it leaked. We was on fucking Napster right away, just napping it up over on Napster. Fuck you, Metallica. That's another reason I hate Metallica. You know, Napster. Uh, definitely. I'm yeah, kidding. this is this is also from the Q magazine. Again, this you know they this is two thousand three. The new metal moment is kind of over, but Chino's still talking about it. We are much more aware of what we do as a band these days, he says, and we're very aware of that new metal thing. Uh, Sometimes it did piss me off that these bands seem to be stealing our thunder, selling millions of albums in no time at all. But I knew that I didn't want to be a part of all that because I knew the dangers that came with it. Moreno has no desire to end up like Papa Roach, whose initial stellar trajectory has ground (laughs) to an embarrassing halt. The Deftones (laughs) progress has been far more organic. I was like, whoa, that's harsh from the fucking uh, writer there. Yeah, Jesus, uh, what a fucking Papa Roach ever do to you? Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, it's, it's just funny that, you know, 2003 were eight years removed from adrenaline. New metal's kind of over. They're still being like, we're not a new metal band, guys. Leave us alone. Yeah, he's so obsessed with it that it's like, I bet you now, if you ask him, he's like, yeah, we were like one. Because, hey, dumb fuck, if you had like actually toured with these guys and stuff like that, then you probably would have been selling that amount of albums that like if they had been they weren't 
again, not doing a tour with corn just because you don't want people to think you're like corn is like that takes you away from the people that would be interested in your fucking music. So it's like they're selling more albums than us. And it's like, but we're not even like really trying. So, but and it's like, well, you can't get, you can't not really try and then also expect to get the fruits of guys that are extreme tryhards, you know? Totally, totally. Uh, and then the last thing for me is this total guitar profile of Steph Carpenter, which is <laughs> I love that. I know what you're going to read already. Absolutely bananas. Uh, well, there's two different things. Um, uh, but uh, obviously the first one that stands out is they do an actual separate. So there's the article and then there's a separate photo inlay and it's Steph and Chino sitting together on a stack of amps. And the quote is... <laughs> Chino sucks at playing guitar. Uh, and this is, of course, when they were like fighting over Chino wanted to play guitar more. And obviously, Steph didn't want that. <laughs> Vocalist Chino likes to play guitar on the odd song. Bandmate Steph wishes he wouldn't bother. Quote, Chino's no good on guitar. His tone is complete shit. If you want to hear him sound check right now, it would sound like crap. To him, it's the greatest sound in the world, you know, but he's so sloppy. As long as he hits one note that sounds right, it's good enough for him. He's just insecure and he has to have a guitar on so he can feel better about himself. But it's like, you're a singer. That's what people know you for. So just put the guitar down and sing. I cannot believe he said that in a article in a guitar magazine about the lead singer of his band. Incredible. I would say that's a thousand percent not something he wanted printed. But maybe he did because I don't know. Like they he really seems had like a beef. dumbass, and it seems like he genuinely, yeah, did hate that Chino played guitar. Well, in it, but I think that the more likely scenario is they're kind of having a conversation. They're doing the interview, and it feels like the interview's over. And then he's like, "Hey, you know, we're buddies." My lead singer can't play guitar. We let him play it. Like it would be so funny if they said they don't plug it in. <laughs> Yeah, we don't even plug in. that shit matter. in. Have you ever heard him in sound check? <laughs> he sounds like shit. We pull the plug out before the show starts. I think the most annoying thing about that article is there's that little piece of it. And then him bragging about how he doesn't know how to play guitar. Yeah, and he doesn't like, what try. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. I yeah. know. I hate that. <laughs> Especially in a guitar magazine. That's this funny. is where, this is where like, you know, we talk about Deftones being effortlessly cool. I think if you only talk to Steph, it's like too much effort, but like Chino and Abe and Chi in the, in the day kind of papered over that a little bit. Cause I don't think Steph is that cool. I think he is actually trying to be cool. The whole thing about how he doesn't even know how to play guitar is like, so are yeah. you, did you want to read it? Yep. No, I want to say that I didn't, I wasn't going to read it, but I wanted to, you can read it, Okay. but I wanted to say he comes off, you know who he is. He is Deftones fieldy. He's yes. he's like where Great it's like hey, he's got like a look and everything, but he seems like a fucking moron. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and a sound right like fieldy has his sound, and so does Steph. For like, there's no denying Steph's a great guitar player, and his sound is his tone is incredible. But yeah, so it's so the article starts out by talking about how great Deftones are. 
And then it says, the trouble is Steph Carpenter doesn't want to talk about any of those things. On the contrary, in fact, he spends most of the interview trying to convince us that one, he doesn't use any effects with his guitar. Two, the Deftones haven't actually sold that many records. And three, he doesn't know very much about playing guitar at all. Of course, none of these things are remotely true. He's just having a laugh with us. The thing is, Carpenter doesn't look much like a joker. He never once cracks a smile, which makes chatting to the guy a distinctly surreal experience. Quote, actually, I'm highly overrated, he claims, settling his enormous frame into a leather sofa, fat spliff in hand. I don't rate myself as a guitarist at all. I don't know a thing. I play heavy metal. It's all about power chords and muting. That's it. He, I mean, in a way, like the he doesn't show off his guitar. I mean, he sounds great. Everything he does is great. The tone's great. All the riffs are cool. But it's not like he does solos and stuff like that. And I think maybe when you're on tour and you're touring with guys like Metallica and stuff, like these people that, because they toured with Pantera, Metallica, like all these guys that are like, guitar geniuses and i imagine when you're like standing there just playing your riffs it's like oh i kind of wish i could do more (laughs) but i don't even think it's like that for him though like i don't get the impression that that's what he's saying like i don't think he sits there and watches kirk hammett play on the summer sanitarium tour and goes god i wish that was me i think he probably sits there and goes wow that guy's fucking lame yeah and you're probably right in that like the reason he's saying this is so that I mean, it's really, uh, no, you're really good, actually. Don't you let people tell you you're not good, Steven. You know, he, he's, he's the, uh, uh, he's like the person at the teenage party that goes and sits in the corner and looks sad the whole time. So people ask them what they're doing and why they feel that way. So then the whole party becomes about totally. them. That's what he's doing. Totally. Yeah. He goes <laughs> on to say, you know what? I was 18 when we started this band and I only started playing guitar when I was 16. So there really wasn't a lot of time to get good. I just worked out how to play the sounds I wanted. And once I could do power chords, I knew I didn't have anything to worry about. I don't waste time learning scales or fretting about whatever, what key everything's in. I just play Fred. and it all gets dedicated to memory. Uh, and then they ask him about the atmospheric suspensions he performs. How did he get that trademark dissonant sound? I don't even know what dissonant means. I don't know oh, any God. theory. Basically, if I'm not playing a power chord, it's an open chord or an octave. The only other chord I play, I don't actually know what it's called. It's like an octave, but instead of the 12th note, I go flat. So whatever that is, but it's mainly power chords, just root and fifth, and I'm ready to go. And it definitely seems like, in this part, for sure, it's the sort of it. This is totally the fieldy comparison, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what fieldy would always be like. I don't practice. What do you mean practicing bass? Practicing is stupid. Why would I practice? That's dumb, you know, or yeah. whatever. And like it's, yeah, it's it's just a very funny way to, you know, I, I'm just imagining an athlete. Like you never hear an athlete say that like oh how do you score those goals well i don't know i don't even really play hockey man i'm like not even that good at playing hockey like i don't know i just i don't know i go out there and i stick handle and i shoot and then i just i don't know what happens after that it's like yeah come on dude like they gotta limit his access to the the press's access to (laughs) stephen carpenter i think i agree my thing everybody else comes out great but he does not uh you have anything else from the articles no, I don't think so. All I right. think we got it all. Well, then let's they move were hard on for me to read. I mean, I think I, I had more. You can stuff. zoom. You can zoom them in, but 
Yeah. I actually figured out how to do it now. I can take a <laughs> screenshot and then copy and paste it into the notes. Or app. you can just zoom your browser. But anyway, I uh, know. But then you got to go like this. You got to go <laughs> like back and forth on the words. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but for you, it is. It's a lot for me. Yeah. Anything's yeah, a lot. Anything's a lot. You know. I know. I, I do know. I work with you. So, yeah, I understand. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> let's get to the tweet defense. If this is your first time listening to the show, this is how we review the album. It's if someone were to tweet at you and say that the Deftones self-titled record sucks. It's how many tweets you would do in defense of the album. Uh, Brian, we'll start with you. What's your score here? Huge fan of this album. Really fucking good. I'm going to have to give this a pretty high mark, okay? So the score I'm giving this album is 200,000 infinities. <laughs> um, so really good album. Wow, I don't think yeah. anybody's ever going to beat it. How could I you really argue with think... that? 200,000 infinities. I mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I guess could be I, because it's so much, because infinity is infinity, and it's 200,000 of that so that leaves me room you know to do a three hundred thousand infinities yeah later on yeah you gotta I can't believe i broke the scale so badly yeah the scale you is you, you this us. show this show scale is the worst scale of all time <laughs> but you know what it's great it's fine People... is still normal mine is still normal if you want to know yeah but check it, out. mine makes you look bad a lot of time <laughs> true because i'm going to say that my score for this one is 13 uh, yeah. so, uh, yeah, I, I would, I would mm. defend this album in a big way. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's one of the best albums we've, we've reviewed. It's one of Deftones best albums. I'm a big fan. Uh, before we get into significantly less than my score, by the way, noted. Yeah. You like this album a lot more than me, uh, <laughs> a lot more infinity, a lot more you. infinities than me. No question about it. Before we get on to the challenge and the poll, just want to remind you, if you want to support the show, and if one episode a month of this show is not enough for you, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast and donate. It's $4 a month. You get three bonus episodes every single month. We do one full length and two singles. We just review a single song. Uh, and you can also tell us what to do for bonus episodes uh, at a certain donation tier. You can check all that out. Last month, we just did a Seven Dusts acoustic album Southside double wide which was truly one of the most heinous things we've ever covered on the show we did it with our good friend josiah hughes from 155 pod that's there you also get access to our entire back catalog which is over 50 episodes of extra or sorry over 100 episodes of extra content at this point we also have a discord we have merch discounts and if you're curious about the articles we read on this episode i also post a, a patreon post every month with all of the articles, links to all the articles we read on the show. You also get a monthly listening list email from me. So you know in advance what we're covering so you can listen to it in preparation for the episode. So it's all great stuff and it's only $4 a month. So head on over to patreon.com slash the POD cast and check that out. Okay, now we are here at the challenge. And this is where every month Brian and I come up with some sort of challenge to, uh, you know, to really capture the spirit of the album. Brian, last month, we reviewed Avril Lavigne's Let Go. The challenge was to write your own version of Skater Boy, and you won. Uh, I don't really know <laughs> I don't how. Remember. I think I kicked I don't your remember ass what personally, it was. but uh, you. I you, think I was gross, though. Yeah, I don't think I don't even remember if you were gross or not. But you did win, so you're at 19 wins. I'm at 20 wins, and we have two ties uh, this month for this album. We didn't really get into it, but 
In a few of the articles, Chino noted that the working title for this album was Lovers and that they were going to call this album Lovers for quite a while. And then they ended up deciding to call it self-titled. They ended up naming a song Lovers. It was the B-side on the Hexagram single. Uh, So we thought since this is a self-titled album, they were going to call it something else. We are going to rename this album in the way that, uh, you know, we think the Deftones might have wanted to name it. So, Brian, you go first. What what would you name this album? Um, So I'm taking this from from Stephen Carpenter and I'm trying to, like, give the spirit of the album a little bit. So here's here's what I think I would name it. I would be like, okay. It's a self-titled album, but we're calling it Tone Deaf, D-E-F. <laughs> tone Deaf. Tone Deaf, but D-E-F. By right? Deaf Tones. Uh-huh. I love that. Yeah, we don't even we don't even know tones in this band. We've never what's even a tone? Explain that to us, because we don't know. Well, <clears throat> we know deaf tones like is those tones are deaf, right? Yeah, the tones I think are deaf, baby. The thing people have always thought about it even though they're like that's not what it is it's like you know that's what it is that's what it is baby that's what it is yeah for you sure just that's what it is. Said death. yeah they don't want to admit that uh as a bunch of uh you know non-hip-hop guys that they were like yeah our tones are deaf uh for sure uh okay uh great tone deaf love it mine i'm gonna go in another direction because i think you know we know deftones pretty sexual and we also know Ooh. Deftones like a bit of a weird name. So I am going to rename this album Shabari Videotape. Oh. Uh, <laughs> is Shabari a sex thing? Shabari is the art of uh, rope play. It's where you get like tied up. Uh, so oh, I was well, so I was. That. Yeah. So I was. it's like that really intricate, you know, where you get like suspended from yeah. the ceiling and shit like that. So I was going to say that, um, it, yeah, it's it's like it's like decorative Japanese bondage. So of course, like you know, they already have an album in it in a Japanese title. We know that they're weird about that, and and Chino would say that it's like a metaphor, like because we said this album, he's not horny. You know, he's had a tough time. This album isn't horny, so you'd say he's actually tied up. You know, he's tied, oh, he's yeah. bound and tied. Is is you can't can't get his true horny feelings out and videotape just feels like a sexy word they have a song called sex tape shibari videotape seemed right to me so that's what i'm calling that is a better name than mine tone (laughs) deaf was just i was just like you know what they this is a realistic i like thing if steven was allowed to name the album if they were like allowing him to name it he'd be like what about tone deaf and we'll do some like new tones because he thinks it's like funny you know he thinks it's like kind of like (laughs) oh i'm kind of being like funny but a deadpan funny yeah you're right uh so you you can vote on that on our on our twitter it's just uh twitter.com slash the pod underscore cast again that's cast with a k like the band corn And uh, also on our Twitter, we do the poll. So every month, Brian and I nominate two albums, and then you, the listener, get to decide what we listen to next month. So four albums will go up in the poll, and then whichever one wins is the album we will cover next month. Uh, Brian, which two albums are you putting up for March? I am continuing my dedication to get something new in here. Okay. Uh, one, 
Uh, we're going to just put it in because I've put it in a few times. I've never heard it. And I think it's one that we could end up really liking, uh, saliva every six seconds. Okay. And it's been close. And it's been close. To it's been very poll. close. Yeah. It's a good one. And then the other one I have that I have full faith that we'll hate is a uh, dope. Felons and Revolutionaries oh, yeah. from 1999. So it just is like... We will hate that one for sure. I'm trying to get as many B-level, <clears throat> because I want to read the interviews. <laughs> oh, for sure. Be great interviews. Um, okay. Uh, well, well, I am going to do a, a little continuation here, because we just covered Seven Dust's acoustic album on the Patreon, <laughs> Southside oh. Double Wide, and it was so bad and I think Brian already had a negative opinion of seven dust. And I just, Brian, I need you to listen to like seven dust for real. Uh, so I'm putting up seven dusts home on the poll. Uh, so it has a song with Chino on it. So you can you at least have that to look forward to if it wins. And then I'm going to do another one that has been up on a poll before. And I think it got close to winning, but didn't win uh, nerd in search of. Uh, okay. You know, lap dance was not to spoil or anything, but lap dance was rated very high on our uh, ranking of the 50 y'all want a singles. I think that album was spy mob doing the backing track is incredible. It's amazing that nerd made basically a new metal album as their sort of, uh, I think it was their officially their second record, but sort of their, you know, after the Neptunes were blowing up, they're just like, Oh, we're going to stop and make a new metal record. So yeah. So there we go. I'm Those are good. Up- These, this there is not a clear no it's going to be close thing. i think i think it's going to be a close poll i think the thing the reason cuz like i said i've never even heard the whole album the reason i'm putting saliva in so much is because it definitely sound like when you listen to click click boom it just feel like we're going to get a fucking banger of an album like a fucking you know significant other style album that and that's the way but then when you think about it though that josie scott is also in that bad spider-man song that spider-man song kicks ass right but it's bad and he's on doing that's like two totally different things we have no idea what we're getting into true and you know i i I feel like the articles for that will be wild so yeah no there's a there's a lot of a lot of great choices this month. Saliva, Dope, Seven Dust, and Nerd. So again, uh, follow us on Twitter if you're not already. Twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast with a K. Usually the polls go up around the middle of the month. So keep an eye out for it. They'll be up for two days and you'll have a chance to weigh in on what we listen to next month. So thank you for listening. If you donate to the show, thank you for doing that. If you're not donating to the show and you want to support the show, it's Patreon.com slash the POD cast. Follow us on Twitter, and yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you for all your support. We love you, and we'll see you back here next month. Goodbye. You're welcome.